the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. And welcome to On the Road with Jesus. I'm your host, Rhody Fisher, and we're coming to you live. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to share your word and to be here with us, Lord. We ask that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing to you. Father, I pray that you would lead and guide this show just the way you would want it to be. Be with my special guests, Susan, as well as Sean and Guy in the sound booth, Lord, and and of course me, and allow us to say and do all the things that you would want us to. So we give the show to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to be in um, Psalm nine today and I'll just go ahead and read it for you out of the um the New King James. So before I do that, before I read the whole entire chapter, I wanted to let you know that it's David again writing this. He's giving praise, glory and honor to his God, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he um, is actually singing this to them, singing this to God, giving praise and prayers to the Lord for protecting him against the enemies and the enemy of his country. So um, let's just go into the word. Lord, I pray that you'd give us understanding of your word. Um, So here we go. I praise you, O Lord, with all my whole heart. I will tell you of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. O enemy, destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities. In their memory, has, even their memory has perished. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprighteousness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. Have mercy 
on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may tell of tell all your praise. In the gates of Zion, the daughter of Zion, I will rejoice in your salvation. The nations have, have sunk down in the pit which they made, in the net which they hid. Their own foot is caught. The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Selah. The wicked shall turn shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord. The nations may know themselves to be men. Selah. Thank you for your word, Lord. I just love the fact that David continues to race back to God, um, whether he's in trouble, whether he's done wrong, whether he's sinned. Um, he knows where his hope comes from, and that's from the Lord. And so I'd like to remind us that when our enemies surround us or when things are happening that are in disarray for us, remember the Lord is always there to hear your cries to see what's going on. Even though sometimes we think it takes a while to help us. I, I used to say, um, God, God for me sometimes is last minute, but he's never late. So call on him for all your needs. Make sure you know that he, you'll never get a busy signal. Just call on him like, like David did. Okay. Thank you, God, for your word. Um, I'd like to introduce my speaker today. Um, her name is Susan Kunzler. You got it. <laughs> okay. I always make a mistake on her name. I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, I don't know what year we met, but I think it was 05, 06, something like that. And um, we were doing the Muslim ministry at the time. And what I remember about meeting you is here Mark and I were racing over to, I think it was in La Mirada, to um, hand out tracts and Bibles to the Muslims as they came out from um, their Friday prayer. And I saw you with a bunch of young people, and I thought, who is this person? I had no idea you were going to be there, but you were there to teach your your folks at the church um, what, what the Muslims do at, during their mosque time. And there we were. We met and became friends um, after that. And the other thing I remember is we got to speak at your church, uh, Mark and I did, a couple of times, if I recall, um, talking about how to witness to Muslims. And so welcome, Susan. I'm so glad to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a while. Um, yeah, so uh, I remember the same thing. Um, and we... Um it was pretty soon after, you know, 9-11. And so what, you know, many churches were doing was, you know, educating the congregation about um, a people and how to be in relationship with a people and not a political label. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I was doing in my church was bringing people to not just pray about those people, but to actually meet those people. And and um, so we, we were doing local field trips to uh, temples, 
to um, synagogues and to mosques, um, and we were, of course, asking permission and trying to connect with um, people on site who were already in relationship or who who would help guide us. <laughs> right. And you were one of those people. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that was so fun. Um, I do want to take uh, the, our audience back um, to kind of the beginning um, so that they could get to know you a little bit better, um, as I have. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me a little bit about where you grew up, where you were born, and did your, your family take you to church? Were you brought raised as a Christian or not? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> so, uh, well, okay. So I was born in Vietnam okay. in a mash unit in Da Nang. Um, my father laid down airstrips for the military. He had formerly been in the Navy. And during one of the interludes, he had gone back to the States for, I think, a two-year or one-year interlude and he met my mother they got married and they both went back to Vietnam um I moved around a lot um his background he's Jewish and but he was a non-practicing Jewish man um like most Jews which uh like a lot of Jews yeah. yeah in the Christian world we tend to think of Jews from a very biblical um stylized point of view and and yet you know most Jews are self-described as either atheist or they only show up at holidays and um, maybe don't even teach their children anything. And that was my family. Um, he probably dabbled more in Eastern religions than he did in, um, you know, Jewish uh, practices. So you guys never celebrated, say, the feast, because a lot of lot of my Jewish friends still celebrate Rosh Hashanah, um, Passover and those kinds of things, but you, your family never did. We didn't, but uh, you know, we we did a couple of times celebrate Hanukkah, but like many families, we stop after the third day. (laughs) (laughs) So no eight days of presents for you. (laughs) No, because it's a lot of work, you know, and so um, and a lot of presents, you know, so we we as kids liked it, but um, it's a lot of work. So um, we did a couple of things. We did, uh, my mother was Italian and Catholic, but she was also a non-practicing Catholic. Mm. And um, and she later uh, um, got involved with the Jehovah's Witnesses, but, you know, up until then, we really, we didn't have a whole lot of Christian... Any any kind of training. I, I remember one time at, at my grandmother's house we were visiting, and I, I must have been about three years old. And the neighborhood Catholic church, big old Italian Catholic church. And I remember holding my mom's hand, and we were walking over to the Catholic church. And I remember her asking me what I thought about it. And it scared the Jesus out of me because as a little kid, I mean, like realistic Jesus with blood dripping down. And I mean, it was just very, uh, it looked like a haunted house to me, to be honest. And so I remember thinking, I don't like it. And um, we never really had any kind of Christian upbringing or training. Um, We did celebrate Christmas and in all of the holidays. Um, So, so. So you guys, your parents... Your family lived in in Vietnam for a little bit, traveled a lot all over the place. And and then where did you settle? 
I don't think we did. We actually, <laughs> I, w- I went to uh, five different elementary schools in six years. Oh, wow. Um, we've lived in a lot of different states. Um, my, my father was a civil engineer and a manager, so when the project ended, they would move him to another project. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world because we were able to live in all different places. Every place, every state has pluses and minuses. Um, people are generally the same. There's always the in-group, the out-group, the popular, the unpopular. Um, I was the new kid all the time, so I was definitely not in the popular <laughs> group. <laughs> but but you learn those skills, and you learn to appreciate you know different cultures and practices, and and I think that served well um, so, at, at least up until you know high school. I ended up in we were in New Mexico from Santa Fe, and so I actually consider Santa Fe my home. That was the longest. Um, up till I got married, the longest time that I'd ever been in one place, and that was uh, four years. Wow. Now, Susan, did you ever go back to Vietnam? Or I did. You did? I did. I, um, I, it was actually my one of my very first um, short-term trips, actually. With the church? With the church, and it wasn't intended. I wanted to go to the Philippines, and they canceled the trip because of some uprisings in in the hills at the time, and they switched the trip into a Cambodia trip and added Vietnam. And I just had no interest necessarily in doing that. It was an all-women's trip, and I thought, oh, I mean, it wasn't that I was a new Christian, but the idea of being on a trip with a bunch of women did not appeal to me. It it seemed very... um, you know, social, social, and maybe a little bit threatening to me. Um, I had been, I had experienced so much of the the infighting okay. uh, among groups. You know, growing up, that there's still there were still some uh, residual trepidation. Memories. Yeah, about about being in a group, and and yet it was the right group because it was. These were amazing, godly women, full of love and joy, and it was I'd never experienced anything like that, and okay. it absolutely killed the fear for for other times, right? Yeah. Okay, Susan, I took you on a bunny trail. I didn't mean yeah. to do that. No, that's but fine. But I really want to get back to your upbringing. So when did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? You're, you're born in Vietnam, you're moving all over the place, mm-hmm. you walk into some strange church and you see Jesus hanging on the cross, you go, no, that's not for me. So how did it happen for you? Well, I my guess is really that God kind of had control all along. Yeah, well, he does, <laughs> yes. I remember getting into some fights with friends who were Christian, who were in trying to invite me to church and they're like I'm going to pray for you and I'm like don't (laughs) (laughs) but you know um, the thing that absolutely impacted my life was when my father died and our lives just changed instantly and um, and it's not that it softened me it actually made me harder as a person but but what it ended up doing is it put me in direct conflict with my mother and the Jehovah's Witnesses and you know, so much of the dysfunction and not having that safety of being in one place and having one community that mm-hmm. that was there for you. 
Um, and so I, I do look back and I see that God really removed me from my family in a very stark way um, when I was 13. Um, very, you know, I felt very much like an Abraham mm-hmm. in that in that I was kind of plucked out of my family and put down, sent on a journey. Um, I ended up in a girl's home and um, it scared me to death because it was a Christian girl's home. But you know, God's plan, right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think that, um, you know, back then I really had become so hard that I really only had two emotions, you know, that I could identify. And that was, you know, absolute rage and anger. And, and then I don't care. Mm-hmm. And so whatever fear I felt about being brainwashed by a bunch of crazy Christians <laughs> was um, suppressed. Oh. I would never have shown it to anybody, but it was there. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, well, I'm going to survive. I'm going to get past these crazy people. And um, So you showed your tough side and your unemotional side when you were amongst the people there. I, well, I tried. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but but then but, they if I if I recall we've done ministries with different mm-hmm. groups and um, there there was always a regiment that they kept to you got up in the morning you opened the Bible or you went to chapel and you prayed and you read the word and you got ready for school and you know there was this whole regiment that you had to go through in these homes. Now, there was obviously a regiment for you, too. And what was that? Um, Well, the blessing of this particular Christian group home was that it was very family-oriented and family-styled and definitely a ministry by the people who started and ran, ran it. So each one of the house parents, you would attend their church um, as a group. You were not required to participate, but you had to attend. The the regiment was that we were living on a ranch, mm-hmm. and it was a working ranch. And the regiment was that we were up at 5 o'clock in the morning, which was... <laughs> I know you're not a morning person. No, I am not. I've traveled with you, so I know that so, for sure. So I, I laugh now. Uh, one of one of the house parents, and, and I'm actually close friends with uh, three three or four of the house parents that were there still. And, uh, you know, the people who know will laugh at this, but poor Pop D, he was this bold, you know, go get him type A personality. And and he was just like, time to get up. And I would be like, just rebellious, (laughs) burying my head under the pillow. And I remember he used to have to grab my feet and yank me out of the bed and I'd still curl up on the floor and try to sleep more. But um, eventually, I had to get up. Um, we had to get our chores done, so we all had to take turns with chores in the house. Um, breakfast would be made. We'd make breakfast, and then we'd get in the van and drive to the end of the ranch driveway, and then the bus would come and pick us up at six thirty, seven, and then it was like, do its route and get to school. So, um, yeah, I learned um, a number of skills, including how to put on makeup in high school with my eyes closed in the dark <laughs> on a bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can do that too. Yeah. We um, have to do what we have to do, I guess. Yeah. Um, so tell me what, when it was that you accepted the Lord, um, how that all, I mean, obviously God was knocking at the door of your heart since the day, I mean, from the day you were born, mm-hmm. but really 
especially once you got into this group home. Um, tell, tell me when that happened, how old were you, and how that happened for you? Well, um, I was 15. So two years later. About a, well, maybe 14 and a half, somewhere, okay. somewhere around there. It took you a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, boy, was I a willful little thing. So, uh, you know, I I was just determined that these Christians were just not going to brainwash me. And so I was very afraid of that, of being influenced. And I didn't really know what, what to expect in church either. I mean, the only thing I knew was like Amityville horror. And I, I just thought things would be flying around, people speaking in tongues, throwing themselves on the floor. I mean, I really was... Really? Yeah, I had... I just, I thought, oh, my God, they're going to get me. <laughs> you know, like I, I was just, a, you know, again, think haunted house. That's, right. you know, um, so, so, you know, I just kept waiting for the shoe to drop, basically. So it was this tiny little Baptist church um, and, you know, very conservative. And uh, every Sunday I would get a program and I would write everything that I hated, that I disagreed with from the pastor because Every song, I was, <laughs> I was just really? not, yeah, I was determined not to be brainwashed. And then at some point, I decided that, you know what, it's not enough for me to sit here and write down this stuff. I'm going to tell him. And so, as I said, it was a very conservative church. So at the end of the service, everyone would get up and we, they'd all line up in the back and around the back of the church. And, and then we'd all shake his hand and then exit for, you know lunch or coffee out on the patio and and so I I dutifully went and stood in line and just was seething oh all this stuff I'm gonna argue and he's gonna argue with me and I have all of this stuff and we're I'm just gonna tell this guy off right a little dink of a well you had your notes so you were ready (laughs) I know what did I know well you know he he did this amazing thing you know I was ready for a fight and I went to shake his hand and said, I don't believe in anything you're saying. I don't agree. I think you're, you don't know what you're talking about, and I'm not going to be one of those things. And, well, I didn't even get it all the way out of my mouth. And he just he patted me on the shoulder while he was shaking my hand, and he looked and he said, well, you know what? We're just going to trust that God will teach you the right truth, and, um, and if there's anything we can do to help, you know, I'm here. And he moved on. And, and but I, you weren't done. No, and I was like, "Well, where's the fight?" And I, so I just, I, first of all, it hurt my pride because yeah. I was, I had been preparing for months to have this fight, and, a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it didn't happen. And the odd thing is that though my pride was wounded, um, my ears became a little bit more unplugged. And, you know, I'm not sure that it, I, I don't even know how long it took, but there, there was one altar call at one point, Rody, that um, something about it just resonated as being true. Like, I, I couldn't have explained it. I couldn't have doctrinally put it down. I couldn't have written it down on, on my notes. But there was just something that just rang so true for me at that moment that I thought, you know what? Yeah, I will go forward. And and so I went to the front and I prayed the salvation prayer. And, and it was, you know, it wasn't one of those, you know, emotional experiences for me. But there was... 
a calm assurance in my heart immediately that for the first time in my entire life, I did not feel alone. Wow. That is so good. That is so good. Because here, now, you, you've been in this home for at least a year and a half, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Um, your siblings aren't there. You're by yourself, and you're, so you're away from the family, um, the family that you knew. And you're trying to kind of fit in somehow in this place, and you still feel like the odd man out. But God. Well, that and I was always in trouble. I, I shoveled so much manure. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot even tell you. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it was the fellowship of God instantly where it just was so true for me that he was my friend, my father, my mother, my brother, my family. And it, it, it was just like a settled thing for me. Very, very, almost instantly. Wow, that's beautiful. Okay, so now you're saved and mm-hmm. you're 15. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you feel like you had the ability or felt like you wanted to either share the Lord with others or maybe even get into you know, some sort of calling or missions work or maybe even teaching Sunday school? When do you feel it necessary after you've accepted the Lord to get out and do God's work? Well, it's hard to necessarily pinpoint it, but I, there's there's two things. Um, one is that I didn't know that when you're saved, it takes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so first of all, it took me like, I, every time he gave the altar call for like three or four weeks, I kept going forward till somebody told me to stop. <laughs> so, so my first my first instinct to share was to share to people. You don't need to go forward more than once. Um, but you know, from that point on, I was very serious about my faith and and uh, very serious. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two of this On the Road with Jesus episode. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.